Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts is a brand new and unique store, boutique-styled retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products where Wicked and cannabis cultures come together for a rather unique atmosphere. They're located on 185 Worcester Street, right next to Subway and Hertz Rental Car, and their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and they can be contacted at 508-545-8105. They are closed on Sundays, and you can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. And welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the horror, science fiction, and fantasy, and animated genres. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zedica. And we begin our coverage of the 1990s animated series Spawn, as created by Todd McFarlane, and uh, owned by Todd McFarlane, written by Todd McFarlane. Um, The TV series was based off of his character that first appeared in Image Comics back in 1992. Uh, Spawn first appeared in 1997 and only ran, unfortunately, for three seasons and was canceled when we never saw what happened after the third season, but we will get there eventually. I have the episode synopsis here. But Uh, before we get to that, wait, before we get to that, Mr. Zeneca, what was your first exposure to Spawn? Oh, well, uh, my first exposure to Spawn was the, the movie. You know, John Leguizamo playing the Violator, which was the best part of the movie, in my opinion. The clown. Um, well, he played the but, clown. Well, that is the Violator. Yeah, but the Violator didn't really have any type of character as much as the clown persona did. The Violator was just a giant CGI monster. It's still the Violator. Clown form or, or demon form, it's still the Violator. Nah. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, yeah, but that was... At the time, the graphics were great, even though there's, like, a lot of fire introduction and it got a little bit tedious there, uh, and and the scenes of hell were a little bit more, you know, beginner CGI. The, the cape and the way it moved was amazing at the time, and uh, I actually really liked the film as being a film. I had no idea about the Spawn comics. Um, after the film came out, that's when the cosplayers started cosplaying Spawn, and I got a little bit more interested in that. Uh, but it's not until we decided to do this show that I started reading the comic books. So I'm doing that at the moment. I got introduced to Spawn through Wizard Magazine, which was a big comic book magazine at the time, and I had no idea about any of the backstory about what Image Comics was and who the people were behind Image Comics. I did know the artwork of Todd McFarlane and and, uh, Eric Larson. Eric Larson would be one of the founding heads of Image Comic Books. And to this very day, Eric Larson is the only creator of Image Comics over the last 26 years to still be writing and drawing his original creation, Savage Dragon. 
Everyone else doesn't do anything. Todd McFarlane barely has anything to do with his character in the comic books as much as he does to do with his toy line. McFarlane Toys has made hundreds and thousands of toys based on Spawn, but not only Spawn, but also characters like Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Mm -hmm. The Beatles... Freddy, Jason, Michael, Leatherface. Uh, big, huge toy line. Huge toy line. And one of the most popular, obviously, resurgence of McFarlane toys has been over the last seven, eight years because of the Walking Dead television series. Oh, yeah. He went yeah. to the bank with the Walking Dead once he got the license to make action figures based on it. <laughs> Todd McFarlane drew the Spawn comic book and wrote it for, I want to say, at least a couple dozen issues and then eventually handed it off to Greg Capullo, who drew the comic book all the way through issue 100 and eventually left Image Comics to become the artist on Batman. And he has been the, he was the artist on Batman through the New 52 and then currently on the Dark Knight Metal storyline. But uh, Tom McFarlane, Jim Lee, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino were the founders who left Marvel because they were tired of the fact that their artwork was selling copies of X-Men and Spider-Man like crazy, but they weren't getting their fair share. They walked, they, they said that if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. And they walked into the Marvel offices and quit. And you can hear about this whole story in wow. a lot more detail in the Image Comics uh, documentary the image guys or something. Rob Lifeland, uh, the co-creator of Deadpool, was also one of those people. He was working on Youngblood at the time, which, by the way, we will get to Youngblood soon because Youngblood has a huge connection to Spawn with mm-hmm. how Spawn was, how Al Simmons became Spawn. Uh, but we'll get there eventually. Yeah, there's a lot of history with Image Comics connected to the, 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 the Spawn character, and Spawn is still being published to this very day. The last time I read a Spawn comic book actually was last year when he did a crossover with Savage Dragon. They did a four-part crossover between the two books, and it was Spawn and Savage Dragon's junior. The, the current Savage Dragon character is uh, uh, Dragon's son, Malcolm Dragon. Now, I do like the original Savage Dragon. For one, I I like the aesthetic of him. He's hot. You know, the mohawk and all that. Green skin. I love it. The fin. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But have, yeah. You, have you heard about what's happened with Savage Dragon lately? Savage Dragon has become a hardcore M-rated book with pornographic images in the book yeah. now, not just violence. There are oh, yeah. serious... Yes. serious amount of fucking going on in this book. Yes. I mean, they yes. issued to 225 have Savage Dragon, his wife, a classmate of his, and his stepsister all in a orgy, licking each other's vaginas and sucking sucking him off. Yes. I mean, yes. there is images of his wife constantly with, like, v- vaginal fluid dripping from between her legs oh. when she is horny. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Just to let everyone know, Mr. Zeneca is at the the end of her pregnancy, so she might be a little bit, uh, what's the word? Uh, horny and can't do anything about it? Horny and can't do anything about it until at least, at least, you know, that you're in the, uh, that, that week that the baby's about to come out, and it's just like, you know what gets this baby out? Fucking! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, go pick up an issue with Savage Dragon. Yeah, go pick up an issue with Savage Dragon. It is definitely no longer for children in any way, shape, or form. I mean, it is just constantly, there is almost every issue has someone getting fucked in it. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of which, this cartoon is not for children either. We'll get to that. Uh, Mr. Zeneca. Lots of killing, lots of uh, mature content. It was on HBO, so of course it's 
not really designed for the kiddies. No, 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 no. In fact, I think this was HBO's first animated series, but I might be wrong. Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us. Okay, should I do all three since we're doing three episodes this uh Every podcast here? No, uh, just do... Uh, one do, at a time? Yeah, one at a time. Season 1, Episode 1, Burning Visions. Originally aired May 16, 1997. Pilot episode of this adults-only animated series about a CIA hitman whose death causes him to seal a deal with the devil. But the devil transform him into Hellspawn, a dark warrior who battles the forces of evil on Earth and in himself. And who was the voice of Spawn himself? The voice of Spawn? Keith David, best known for films like John Carpenter's The Thing and They Live. He was recently a uh, hitman in Shane Black movie starring Russell Crowe and Ryan uh, Gosling, The Nice Guys, came out last year. Very good movie, by the way, if you've missed it. Very, very good movie. But at this time, he had just finished working for Disney doing the voice of Goliath on Disney's Gargoyles. Ah, that's where I recognize that voice. Yep. He, I used to watch Gargoyles. Yep, and this film, this this show also has uh, actors in it such as Richard Dyrest, Dominic Jennings, uh, Michael uh, Nicoliosi as the clown. Uh, Richard Dyrest plays the uh, mysterious Cogliastro. Um, Richard was in also in The Thing as well as Back to the Future Part 3 and L.A. Law. He was in 171 episodes of L.A. Law, so whew, long career with that. Unfortunately passed away in 2015 at the age of 86. Um, and the other main character we have playing uh, the clown was also in films like The Babe, The Watcher, Infected, and several other bit parts. Nice. Ronnie nice. Cox is also, by the way, in this episode. He plays Senator Scott McMillan, um, who you hear on the phone and then eventually we get to see when talking to uh, CIA director Jason Wynn, who is Jason also... Wynn, yeah. Yes. A lot of, uh, lot of characters in the show. Terry Fitzgerald, obviously, is Spawn's best friend. Cyan is the... Daughter of the Terry, baby. the yep, the daughter of Terry and Wanda. Yeah, there's there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of interplay between the characters. The political intrigue. Uh, the story itself is very robust. There's so upon, much going on. Oh yeah, so much going on. And upon watching it a second time, I was able to catch a little bit more of of how the plot was building up with each of these characters and what the ties were and connections between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the detectives, Sam and Twitch, are kind of on this forefront of what's going on, but yet they don't exactly know what's going on until later in the season. So it's kind of interesting. This is an interplay between these two detectives and then a lot of people dying because yeah. they know too much. And here's the thing. The voice of um, Sam Burke is also the voice of uh, gangster Tony Twist. <laughs> now, nice. <laughs> now, do you know who Tony Twist was in sports? In sports? Yes. I don't know sports, man. He is a famous um, uh, hockey player that eventually retired with the New York Rangers. And when he found out that his name was being used for this cartoon series, he sued Todd McFarlane for an substantial amount of money that Todd McFarlane had to sell the Mark McGuire baseballs that Mark McGuire used to break the Babe Ruth uh, home run record with. Wow. In order to pay for the lawsuit. Todd McFarlane nearly went bankrupt Jeez. paying for the lawsuit when Tony Twist, the hockey player, sued him over this character. Now, if you want to hear more about that, there's plenty of other podcasts that have probably already discussed it or YouTube channels that you could look it up. But I'm just giving you the bare basics of what that's about. But yeah, this is why Tony Twist is no longer in the comic books. 
um, as well as and another character. And that's char- why you should always just make up a name. Yeah. Well, I supposedly Tom McFarlane did, but he said that uh, Tony Twist uh, confirms that he in, had met Tom McFarlane, and that's how he got the name. Um, subconsciously, probably. Yeah, but Michael, who plays Tony, also plays um, uh, Sam, and then James Keen, uh, who's uh, been in Trick Tracy, Apocalypse Now, Falling Down, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, um, was, uh, plays uh, Twitch. Um, Michael McShane, who plays Sam, by the way, is also best known playing uh, Detective uh, Bullock in um, uh, Batman the Animated Series. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I do like the interplay between Sam and and Twitch. Oh, yeah. I love how he orders him to go get a thing of donuts, and he's just like, two dozen, sir, half that. I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost as if Twitch is slightly sarcastic to him at all times, and, you know, it's like almost that Twitch is a little bit subservient, but he does a lot of the work of the detective team, and Twitch is saying things like, oh, very astute, sir. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he's being sarcastic, but I just can't tell. Well, um, the Sam and Twitch in the comics would eventually get uh, fired and become uh, private detectives themselves. And they were huge, important characters in the Spawn comics when I was reading them. Um, with, In fact, they got eventually spun off into their own series written by Brian Michael Bendez, uh, who is uh, leaving Marvel for DC Comics coming up. He has been the writer of Ultimate Spider-Man for a number of years and is now going to be currently the writer of Action Comics and Superman. Now, a friend of mine told me that Sam and Twitch might be in a Sin City-esque type of uh, comic book that's basically replaying the Spawn story, but from the perspective of them solely. Um, Have you heard any news about that? There has been talks for a while about a Sam and Twitch uh, movie, but that has been going on for several years now. I don't know what the progress of it all is. There is going to be another Spawn movie coming out at some point with uh, Todd McFarlane directing, supposedly, and it's going to be a hard R rating. Wow, cool. Yeah, because the Spawn movie that came out in theaters was rated PG-13 when when it eventually came out on... uh, you know, DVD and Blu-ray many years later, it would actually be unrated, but the unrating mm-hmm. would not help save that film. Now, is the Spawn character the first black superhero or anti-hero that was portrayed in movies? Uh, yes, he at least beats Blade by a couple years. Yeah, yeah. I was looking that up, and like, I was not sure if that was true, but... I was wondering if you have that info, because, you know, he is a black man, but in the comics, uh, when he actually tries to get a human form to him, not the corpse-like form, he actually turns into a white man, and it's very disturbing to him. Yeah, that's because that's that's the trick of the Malbolgia, who's the demon that uh, the eighth level, um, eighth level of hell uh, uh, demon that uh, made the deals and controls the hell spawns. Yeah, because so, you're never going to get any straight deal out of a devil. It's just not going to happen. No, Malboja is um, basically two steps away from Lucifer himself. Yeah, so he's pretty high up there. General of uh, the army, of the devil's army, and then Spawn is a general of Malboja's army. 
Yeah, and in the cartoon, Spawn has that type of hamburger-looking face, which he can't believe because then he tries to dig up his own corpse and then finds it to be absolutely true what the clown told him. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's at the end of this episode uh, one where he just digs up his own corpse. And then the corpse start talking to him because it's Malbogia explaining to him that, hey, you just saw your, your wife. I held up my end of the deal. Now it's your turn to end up your end of the deal. And... um you know, Swan's not really too pleased with that. Now, but he does get his wedding ring off of the corpse. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the episode about why Sam yes. and Twitch are in the alley. What were they? What was that person with the information? What information did they have, do you think? Okay, well, the source that these two reporters are meeting up with is a Mr. Jeff Stevens, who looks really nervous, sweaty, you know, panicky, mm-hmm. as he's running to meet up with them. And he's got some information... The reporters are, you know, wagering that this is going to be a Pulitzer Prize, you know. And uh, then suddenly uh, some goons come up and, uh, you know, as sent by Tony Twist and his crew. So three assassins uh, murder Jeff Stevens so that he could not say what he needed to say. And then a reporter gets burned alive and but what's the, the information but hold on hold on what is the information that this source has it's well, not we don't know that in the first episode that comes out later oh okay see i i always assumed that we would know from the first episode by the end of the first episode because it because of a certain senator uh it's kind of assumed because of that phone call between senator mcmillan and jason Wynn that there is some sort of child killer and this child killer is related to the senator because he is the one to carry on the senator's name. Mm. Isn't that lovely, child killers? You know, I guess when you're in politics, you can get away with anything, including murder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like nothing the f- much has changed. This cartoon 90s. crosses some lines with the violence, but it doesn't go too far into the uh, what they were going to show involving a child killer. Yeah, yeah, they don't actually ch- show the killing of the child, um, but they do uh, They do imply that the child has been killed. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Kincaid, which we meet at the very end of the episode, creepy guy, p- you know, pudgy, bull haircut, wicked smile, and uh, he is the ice cream truck driver. Uh, that's his little shtick to capture and uh, torture and rape children and then they dump, he dumps their bodies in the alley very sad mm. the um that's pretty much it for the first episode uh we also again as i mentioned we meet uh, terry wanda and cyan and we learn that cyan is uh you know has a child now because spawn goes to the uh, house to uh you know investigate what happened to his life yeah, because once he was re- resurrected, he doesn't have any memories of his past life. He has these vague visions every once in a while. So he's trying to put together the pieces of his old life. And the violator basically tells him that five years has passed. Uh, so he's trying to pick up all these pieces and sees this happy life that his wife is leading without him. You know, with a child that she always wanted, and uh, and you know, sleeping with his best friend. So, mm. 
very heartbreaking, but at the same time, if you really love someone, then you should be happy that they're happy. Yeah, but yeah, that's basically all that's covered in the first episode. Um, yeah. Go, go ahead. Oh, uh, the you know, I just like with Friday the 13th, I thought it would be interesting to do a body count, you know, for each of these episodes. So in episode one, we have uh, three assassins, two reporters, uh, a cop that goes through, thrown through a window. Uh, I think that's it. So there's six, six dead in this episode. Wow. <laughs> well, what's the episode synopsis for the next episode? Episode two. Okay. Episode two. Evil Intent, uh, originally aired on May 23rd, 1997. Spawn wins the respect of the derelicts who live in the alley while seeking the counsel of Sage Cogliostro. 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 Cogliostro, yes. Uh, this is the, the character I didn't quite mention right away. If you watched the Spawn movie before seeing the animated series, um, and it's not in the comic books until much later on, but we're just going to give it away here. Cogliastro uh, was once a spawn himself. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, well, that's said in the movie. Yeah, it's been so many years since I've actually watched the movie. He was um, a knight of the round... I think he was... Um, uh, it's hinted that he is possibly one of the knights of the round table. That's how old he is. Okay. Um, and uh, he made his deal with uh, Mag- uh, with Malbogia and then but got out of it in some way, which I... T- Again, I stopped reading the Spawn comic books after issue 100. I, I kept up with it just for a little bit, but then I switched over to the Sam and Twitch books, but I have not been a uh, consistent follower. Um, but Cogliostro, uh, Cogli, Cogliostro um, has been Spawn's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi character. And then, of course, uh, we also get to meet Garib and Bobby. Uh, Garib and Bobby are played by Victor Love and Michael McShane, who also does, again, the voices of uh, Twitch and uh, Terry Fritz, uh, Victor Love does the voice of Terry Fitzgerald. Um, a lot of people were very happy with the fact that Victor and Keith David are both African-American actors, and they voiced uh, these African-American characters as well. So that mm-hmm. was a big thing, even in the 1990s, to uh, you know, let that happen and not just cast some white guy as Terry. Now, if you saw the movie, obviously Terry was recast as a white actor, which a lot of people had problems ah. with, and today would probably never happen. Yeah, a- and... Cogliostro is the narrator throughout this entire series. Correct. So it's his uh, voiceover that is telling the story of, of you know how spawns uh, actually react. So and Garib, I love. Yep. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so as we're going through the show, you'll get these uh, narration bits where it says that you know all spawns do this and all spawns seek out emotional you know validation. So, it's you know, he's been there, and he's just telling how every single Spawn does this. And he lives in the alley with the bums and with Spawn. And uh, Al uh, is called, uh, what is it? Yeah, Garib calls Al something out of Stephen King. Uh, I didn't write that one down. Yeah, no, sorry, Bobby. Bobby, the... The two buns, the, the 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 two bums. There's the African bum, African American bum, and then there's the fat bum. Bobby is the African American bum who, in the comic books, is actually a white guy, and we find out eventually an angel. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, no wonder they're not so freaked out by him. And uh, uh, Garib is the short, fat guy. Uh, he's a long-standing bum that lives in the alleys that was a friend of Spawn's up until some point he gets killed off because you just don't hang around with Spawn that long and probably live. The yeah, he I, I but I thought I love that I I did like that line when Bobby says he's something out of Stephen King. Man, he's doped up on PCP. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the second episode here, uh, the first killing of the show is the the kid that was dumped in the alley. Yeah, that was taken into the uh, back of the, uh, the 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 rape van. Let's just call it that, the ice cream van, yeah. the rape van. Yep. <laughs> you know, so you then, you have clowns that aren't going to touch children, but then you have ice cream men who are killing children, a la uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you combine them both, it would be John Wayne Gacy. Correct. You know, he had the clown makeup. And Tony right. Twist is having a uh, freaking meltdown over what happened to his goons and uh, needs to call in some backup. So he, of course, calls in, uh, you know, the uh, cyborg overkill, which we learn okay. about later on. But he, we just learn he's calling in for backup right now. Yeah. Uh, so between overkill being called and, you know, episode one, we have uh, two more thugs going into the alleys and shooting up bums basically trying to get information as to who killed the three other goons. Did you notice the type of women that Tony happens to um, have uh, service his needs? Uh, bimbos? Well, they look like dominatrixes, but sure. <laughs> yes, they're probably yeah. prostitutes. They are most likely prostitutes, but they are also dressed up to look like uh, dominatrixes. Yeah, they, are, they do have the type of clothes, uh, skimpy, you know, leather... Outfits with some accoutrement, you know, but they're pretty much just kind of uh, lezzing out on each other while Tony is busy. And, uh, you know, later in the series, we see kind of this whole strip club that Tony is involved with. Why is it always that mobsters are involved with strip clubs? Filter cash? Did you ever watch The Wire? Go watch The Wire. It explains it very good. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean... The Wire, uh, season two of The Wire, there's uh, the the evil, uh, the Greek mobsters are importing in women from other countries. And uh, there's a boxcar that gets the uh, air pipe crushed and the women are killed inside because they all suffocate to death. Oh. And it's supposedly by accident, but at the end of the entire second season, you find out, nope, one of the guys wanted to go in there and fuck one of the women, and they didn't want it to happen, so he took revenge on the rest of them by making sure that the air pipe was crushed upon delivery. Oh, man. Yeah, so you got 14 dead hookers in this boxcar, and then at the end of the series, you, they're, they're, they never put a stop on it, because the uh, there's a crate that the cops know is filled with drugs. However, so they let it go because they think that they're going to be able to trace it to somebody. When they're not looking, the drugs are removed, put back in place, and there's an entire compartment of hookers behind the drugs. Because they don't uh, evacuate the entire compartment. They only open up the first couple of, uh, you know, the first few packages and boxes. And that's where they're like, oh, the whole thing must be filled with drugs because we found drugs in these two boxes. Nope, it's, yeah. actually, a ploy it's actually a front to uh, disguise the fact that there are all these uh, international hookers in there. Man. Yeah, and I guess it would be cash money, so mobsters would find it easy to launder money through a venue such as that. Correct, and you can find more uses. That you can definitely probably make more money off of uh, hookers that are uh, constantly in use than you can uh, a thing of drugs one time. That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, you'll, yeah, yeah, you might sell all those drugs, but that girl is good to go 
you know, every other night or however well, long. Uh, I don't know anything about the prostitution ring, and I'm not going to speculate on anything about it, so don't leave any comments in the section below. But I'm just saying, know, from what I've been told... <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's far worse than that. If you're a victim of sex trafficking, uh, it is far, far worse than every other day. Correct. Yeah, so hopefully all these girls that we're showing in this in this animated film are at least there willingly. They now, look like they're happy doing it, but you never know. Well, that's because of their, their, the, the smiles are animated on their faces. But uh, yes. do you know that the uh, – speaking of uh, uh, prostitution on HBO – uh, you know that any of the women on Game of Thrones that play prostitutes are actually porn stars from Europe? I did not know that. I found that out recently. They said the top ten European porn stars that have been on Game of Thrones, and they said that 90% of the women who play hookers on Game of Thrones, prostitutes, hookers, whatever you want to call them, women of the night, sex workers, the politically correct term, are norm are usually European porn stars because of the only way they can get anyone to perform any type of sexual act on that show is usually if they're probably already doing it for money anyway. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah, um, I found that out from the uh, uh, Tyrion Lannister, his the woman that he was in love with for a little while, mm-hmm. and then he killed. She was like this huge porn star in Europe, and I was like, "Oh wow!" And then that's when I found out the rest of the hookers on Game of Thrones are mostly played by European porn stars. Interesting. It and, makes all those scenes with the Viper and his uh, consort a little bit more interesting to me. Yeah, basically the 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 thing is that if they appear nude, they might not be porn stars. They're probably just models or actresses, you know, looking to break in. And it's obviously mm-hmm. a big thing to be on Game of Thrones. However, if they have to perform in any type of sexual act of being fucked or raped. They're porn stars. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which makes a lot of sense. So, um, so they can't be accused of coercion. Cur- I guess so. I, I, don't, I don't entirely know, but I, I do. Like, oh, you're gonna get this part, but you're gonna have to fuck someone. And you're gonna, or you're gonna oh. have to be brutally raped. Yes. Or, yeah. or play acted yeah. rape. So they gotta make sure. You know, some actresses again probably not want to do that in their career, but a porn star who already does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Might be like, okay, sure. And in fact, the conditions are probably a thousand times better than they are on a porn set. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. So. You know, you get actual uh, high production values. You get taken care of as an actress. Uh, it's not some hotel room or some... And the catering must be state. amazing on Game of Thrones for the budget they have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we get our first big fight of the episode. We have Violator versus Spawn after the clown is tired of Spawn's pissing and moaning over Wanda. Um, by the way, notice every time Spawn thinks of his wife, it's always his wife completely nude. Well, she was hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, she is... They draw her with, like, the biggest titties and, like, the shapiest-looking figure. Oh, no. She's... I, I, I mean, if if I was thinking about my partner that I miss so much, I would certainly be thinking of all of them. And <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I miss that. Yeah. Wait, when so, you say partner, do you mean your current partner or any of your little subs that you happen to have? <laughs> My current partner. Your current partner, okay. Yeah. You know, my my subs and I don't really have too much of a sexual relationship. Oh, okay. I was I I was not speculating, but wasn't really sure how that all worked. So. Yeah. I only have time yeah. for my my uh, my one and only uh, kitten. Let's just call her. <laughs> Who? So we get the big fight between Clown and Violator, which you have to admit is really cool. The way the Violator talks. Hi. Yeah. I talk like this. Do you hear? 
Get out of my head! Get out of my head! I love that. I fucking love the way the Violator talks. And yes, you're right. John Leguizamo as the Cloud was really good, but as Violator, there were no really lines when he was the Violator. But in this, he is just terrifying with that voice. And he is like a true-looking demon. You know what I mean? He's this like twisted-up, gangly-looking creature. Yeah, and and using the telepathy in order to talk because his mouth is just kind of hanging open there. Mm. Now, now I think every episode ends with the clock. Do you know what the clock signifies? The clock signifies his level of power that he has left. Correct. Once the, once the clock ticks down to zero, he must return back to hell. His power is spent, and he is, you know, bound to hell for the rest of eternity. Hold on, let's so when see. he's actually fighting the Violator. The clock is ticking at 9, colon 9, colon 6, colon 2. It started at all nines, so we're ticking down slowly here. Yeah. In the comic books, the clock runs out, excuse me, by issue 47 or 48, and Spawn is sent back to hell. And he teams up with um, Savage Dragon, the original, uh, for like one or one or so issues, and he also gets a new face. By the way, when I say new face, I just mean that the burnt skin is ripped off, and it's all the bone and marrow underneath. So when that was revealed, that was like a big thing. Like, oh my God, Spawn's gonna get a new look, and yes, he gets a new costume. The costume that that you've seen here it gets changed, but his face is like, oh, it's just the skin ripped off, and it's all the bone and marrow underneath. Yay. <laughs> Um, but the reason why he uses the rest of his powers in the comic book, which we will get to on the show, um, is uh, Terry is dying, and Spawn uses the last of his powers to save his life. Yeah. He kills Terry's cancer. Terry gets cancer, and Spawn uses his powers to save his life. And he pulls out of Spawn's face this shoelace, because at some point, Bond, no joke, Spawn will fight Batman. And the last thing Batman will do is throw a battering into Spawn's face, unfortunately permanently scarring him, and the only way to fix it is with a shoelace he finds in the alley. (laughs) (laughs) It happens in one of the worst Batman team-ups of all time, written by and drawn by Todd McFarlane, but written by Sin City creator Frank Miller. They can't all be winners. No, they can't be all be winners, and this is considered one of the worst goddamn stories of all time. Batman constantly called Spawn a punk throughout it, and uh, it, uh, it supposedly takes place during the Dark Knight Returns kind of timeline, at least because it's, I guess it's because Frank Miller wrote it, and Frank Miller wrote the Dark Knight Returns. So, yeah. But, yeah, Spawn teams up with um, a, a few comic book characters. Uh, in fact, in one issue, he teams up with, uh, have you ever heard of the character called Cerebus? Cerberus? Uh, Little... The, three, the three-headed dog? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Cerberus, the aardvark uh, warrior. He's a pig. He's like a... He's an, he's an aardvark warrior. Kind of like Conan, but a, a pig. Huh. Um, no, I, I haven't heard of that one. And he takes him through a dungeon. And in the dungeon, there's all these arms stretched out of the cage of the dungeon. And you can recognize the arms as Captain America, Spider-Man, Mr. Fantastic, Superman, Batman, Wonder huh. Woman. And it's kind of like a... Uh, a metaphor for how Tom McFarlane felt about modern-day comic books at the time and how he still feels about modern-day comic books at the time. That's why you've never seen a Spawn Spider-Man team up. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So the issue, the episode ends with the clock, and then we switch over to the um, to Overkill showing up in the alley. Yes. Uh, overkill. Episode 3. Yes, so overkill. if you have the episode synopsis for us for episode 3. I do, but we, we forgot to mention a, a good plot point here in episode 2. Oh, what? Uh, Jason Wynn 
is talking to Senator McMillan and demands that he actually run for president. Correct. And there, there's a good line in here that I want to quote here. Uh, Jason Wynn says, we've been in bed together for quite a while, so relax, bend over, and enjoy it. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Senator is going to be president or trying to be president. Now, do you know who yeah. Ronnie Cox is, by the way, who plays the senator? I'm sorry, what was that? Do you know who Ronnie Cox is, the actor who plays the senator? Uh, Ronnie Cox? Yeah, um, you've seen him before. I've, I know I've seen him. He plays Dick Jones, the head of OCP, the second command of OCP in RoboCop. He was Lieutenant ba uh, uh, Bogomil in, in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Ah, and he was also in Dexter. And he was in Total Recall. Yep, he was in Dexter. Um, he was in uh, Stargate SG-1. He played Vice President Robert Kinsey, a big pain in the ass on that show. He was mm -hmm. the president of the United States in the 1990s Captain America movie. Huh. But a lot of people know him mainly playing um, Axel's kind of stand-in boss in the Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. Okay, yeah, he he definitely has that cop look about him. Yeah, and uh, but he he has played a senator in many different things. Um, he was president of the United States once again in uh, Murder at 1600, which starred Blade actor Wesley Snipes. Okay, And All a right. very young, very young Diane, uh, Diane Lane. This was actually one of her first movies. Interesting. All right, cool. Definitely look it up. If you've never seen it, you could probably find it for, like, wicked cheap on eBay. I found an eBay DVD copy for, like, four bucks, so. Okay. All right, episode three, originally aired May 30th, 1997. No rest, no peace. A hired cyborg, ominously named Overkill, engages Spawn in battle in the alley, forcing Spawn to retrieve some of Al Simmons' old tools of his trade from a guarded CIA weapons compound. Which is a scene they kind of do in the movie as well, and we, we actually get to see it in the uh, comic books. I think it takes place in issue 7. There's a great cover image of Spawn holding up all those badass guns. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is, by the way... So if, if you've ever read the Spawn comic book, the first couple episodes follow the narration of the first three issues, but then they go into a different um, reverse. By episode five, we've wrapped up the Billy Kincaid child killer storyline, and then Tony Twist calls in Overkill the first time. This is the first time Overkill will show up. Overkill, Overkill will return later on as well, um, rebuilt, because he's a cyborg. But now, they do they call him Overkill or Overt Kill? Because it's Overt Kill in the comic book. I think the T is silent, but what do they say on the show? They say Overkill, right? It sounds like Overkill, but I was just reading the comic, and it's like, it's Overt Kill. Also, for anyone listening, we are recording this episode, by the way, on March 25th, 2018. This episode will air, so the time you're listening to it, on... We're doing this specifically because I have no idea when I'm going to give birth. Correct. So this episode I should do it any day now. Yeah, this episode we're recording this episode on the 25th. You will hear a brand new. The last episode of Friday the 13th will air actually on the 30th, and then this episode will air on the 11th, uh, which is a Wednesday. We're going back to Wednesdays for the Dead TV podcast for Spawn, and then we'll be back in the recording studio on the 22nd of April. So uh, you won't actually hear from us uh, in real time. So if any events happen, if the world comes to an end, then we won't know about it until the 22nd. But Mr. Zeneca will have, have her baby, and she'll probably have a baby story, story for us for about all of five minutes. Because <laughs> that's all we'll really care about. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Oh, uh, yeah. It, things are, go very quick for me, so. Do you know what the sex I'm is yet? any day now. Yeah, it's a girl. Oh, it is a girl. Okay. And then, um, and uh, to have the, now you're surrogating this baby. Have the parents already picked out a name? Valentina. Valentina. Very, very, very different name. I don't know. Is it okay to say a very attractive name for a baby? Is that not okay? I, I, I guess. I mean, it, Valentine's Day will either be her favorite holiday or her worst holiday. Oh, There's she'll no get, middle ground there. Yeah, she might get picked on a lot in school. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, we'll see what happens in 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> when she needs to worry about that sort of thing. So Overkill shows up, and uh, Spawn puts a hurting on him pretty fast. This is not as big of a fight as the one with the Violator, it seems. Yeah, no. It, it, it's, it almost seems that Overkill, or Overkill, whatever yeah. the hell it is, yep. um, <coughs> he breaks through after killing a couple bums. You know, he, he breaks through the wall and, and attacks him, everyone there, gets Spawn by the neck and is, like, taunting him a bit. And Spawn just makes quick work of him. It's it's like, dude, yeah, there were some missiles that went off, some bums got killed from some falling stairs, but but really, like, that, that fight is over very quickly. And he shoves a rebar through his bionic eye, and then Overkill kind of runs away like a coward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, yeah. next time you see Overkill, he's getting fixed by his IT guy. <laughs> Wanda's investigating the child killer case, which is getting her closer and closer to the senator's son, which uh, will have repercussions for her in cu- upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Wynn decides that uh, this problem, um, he's realizing there's a problem in the alleys, and uh, he, I believe, then calls in... The man uh, who we would learn killed Spawn, Chapel. Chapel, yes. Chapel is a character created by Rob Liefeld for Youngblood. Youngblood was basically like his uber 90s giant hair, giant shoulder pads looking Avengers um, for Image Comic Books. Now, when Rob Liefeld left Image Comics because of like dis- differences with the company... Um, a lot of people felt as though it was a betrayal when he left because he actually went back to working for Marvel on the Heroes Reborn saga, which came out of the Onslaught, X-Men Avengers Onslaught storyline. And uh, in this story, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four were shunted off to another universe, and Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee joined Marvel again to draw their comic books. And Rob Liefeld was kicked off that book pretty fast because his drawing kind of sucks. If you've seen his Captain America, it's god-awful. Nowadays, he is hyped up as being, again, the co-creator of, of uh, everyone's famous, uh, favorite Merc with a Mouth, Deadpool, uh, which has his own second film coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer, actually, for Deadpool came out uh, recently, just before we did this recording. Have you seen it? I have not. It's on my list of things I need to see, but my friends are like, you got to wait till I'm with you. To watch the trailer? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they're very excited. Okay, so go watch the new trailer for Deadpool. Again, by the way, if you pick up the Deadpool DVD or Blu-ray, Rob Liefeld is on a commentary about creating Deadpool. Um, He created the character of Deadpool. He did not create the character that you know that you love from the comic books right now. That was created by somebody else. Deadpool had a massive redoing of him. Uh, later on, but uh, again, this ties back to Chapel and Youngblood. 
when he left, they had to take Chapel out of the Spawn comic book's backstory. Now, if you saw the Spawn live-action movie, there's a woman who kills Al Simmons. Her name is Priest. Uh-huh. And in uh-huh. the comic books, it was retconned around issue 60, I believe, that the reason why he thought it was Chapel is because Chapel sounds like Priest. And what we eventually learn is Chapel's Priest is actually Chapel's like ex-wife or something. Get it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Chapel for a while was believed to have killed Spawn, and then it was retconned out. the The clown teases of Spawn saying, "You idiot! You got it all wrong. It was never Chapel. It was this woman named Priest who was in the Spawn movie." Interesting. Right. And of course, yeah. you remember who was playing Spawn in the? Uh, sorry, uh, 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 Jason Wynn in the Spawn movie. Michael Sheen, Martin Sheen, Martin oh. Sheen. Martin Sheen, okay. Yeah, Martin Sheen. Charlie Sheen and Emilio West as his uh, father. Yes. Yep. We talk about the movie a lot, but Mr. Zeneca, in the, at, at the end of this entire run of Spawn the Animated Series, will be doing a review of Spawn the, anim- the live-action movie on the uh, Film Dungeon commentary like we did with Constantine. Yeah. I, I might have to come up with a drinking game by it because by that time, I will no longer be with Baby. Oh, yes, definitely. You can absolutely drink. Uh-huh. Um, your 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 alcohol will your it's alcohol thirst will be stated and your 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 hormones will hopefully have been stated by then. Yes. So <laughs> you know maybe whenever Shaw, whenever Spawn screams or something like that. I don't know. Something like that. Um, you he guys does, can leave me ideas in the comments. He he definitely wallows in self pity a lot in the movie, the comic book, and the cartoon series. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the episode ends with Billy... I think the episode ends because... Okay, so anyone listening, I have the DVD Ultimate Spawn box set, and it contains the three discs that contain the three different seasons. Now, the DVDs run as one uninterrupted movie. It has no chapter breaks, no character... Well, it has chapter breaks, but it has no, like, ending credits, and then, like, HBO presents the next episode type of thing. None of that. It runs as one long movie. you don't get the McFarlane introductions, either. I do get the McFarlane introductions. Wait, do I? Okay, it's weird, because when I put it into the player, it only played the first episode introduction, and then it went right into the second episode with no introduction by Todd. What I do get, by the way, which is really cool, and I might put this back in later on, listen to it in the background or while I'm maybe writing... Uh, you get a three-hour commentary by Todd McFarlane, a running commentary through all six episodes per season. Oh, wow. How cool is that? That is cool. That is yeah. very, very cool. So the, the one thing that I didn't like about his introductions is Todd McFarlane's lips never really move. No, he needs to pronunciate a little bit better because he he's um it it just doesn't it doesn't uh it's a it's a little hard to understand what he's saying sometimes. Yeah, it mumbles a little bit, but it's it's his mouth is moving up and and down, but his lips aren't actually forming the words, you know. So he looks a little stiff. The, so, again, the episode ends with the clown watching over Billy Kincaid, which I'm assuming is how it ends, and also Chapel fucking some girl he picked up at the bar. Yeah, and having massive flashbacks. While he's screwing this girl, too, by the way. Yeah, the, this whole, like, stripper scene, you know, which is kind of sexy, you know, and then the sex scene where he's, you know, doing her doggy style is pretty sexy, but the flashbacks of wartime and death and, and mounds of bodies, it's, it's like, uh 
Yeah, you've been through some shit, haven't you? Mm. Yeah. No wonder you're so fucked up. Him picking up this chick kind of reminds me, again, I'm going back to The Wire real quick, but there's an episode of the season two of The Wire where the uh, main character, one of the main characters gets into a pretty crappy car accident. He he, he gets uh, a little little banged up. The car's banged up. It doesn't anyone else get hurt. He's just, he's he's drinking, so... For some reason, he decides to smash the other side of the car again. He goes to a diner, um, asks the waitress for some grits, and and then uh, says, uh, "Is there anything else you want?" He goes, and uh, she's like, "You can have anything." He's like, uh, "I don't know what else I want." She's like, "You can have anything you want, honey." And then the next scene is her riding on top of him, like screaming to the top of her lungs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> that just kind of reminds me of this of him, like with this chick. So, well, you know. She's probably one of Tony's, uh, you know, girls in the strip club. So, yeah, prostitute, or maybe she just wanted to take him for a ride. I don't know. You know, are there any female-centered television shows or cartoons or movies where the woman just is bringing guys back to her apartment left and right to fucking screw? Uh, I'm sh- I, I feel that there is but it might be under nefarious circumstances. Like, she's a criminal, and she's bringing them back to screws so that she could, you know, take advantage of them in some way. Well, like, I, I was watching... Sounds the, like something, but I can't remember what. I was watching the movie Unsane today, which just came out in theaters, and there's a scene where the main our main actress character, the woman who is locked up in the insane asylum later on, believing her stalker is after her, she is tindering at a bar and tinders uh, some guy who pulls up her phone to him at the other side of the bar... And uh, she's just like, she waves him over like, yep, that's me, I just tindered you. And they start having a conversation, and as soon as he starts getting into his life or whatever, she like stops him and says, I'm going to let you know right now, this evening is going to go exactly the way you think it's going to go. I just don't want you to call me or email me afterwards, do you understand? <laughs> like she's so, but she, but in that case, this is a victim of a stalking abuse situ- situation. She was not yeah. sexually abused or, or physically abused in any way by this person, but she was stalked by this coworker, um, and that's the story of the movie. Um, and she's using sex to help get over it. Now she doesn't actually have sex with this Tinder guy. She actually starts breaking down in the middle, of making out, and tells him to get out uh, mm-hmm. because of her trauma. But like. I'm trying to think of like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Atomic Blonde. I mean, she kind of uses you know sex to her advantage, but in that she's more of a lesbian. Um, the girl with the dragon, the girl with the dragon, the girl with the dragon tattoo is bisexual. I mean, she brings women back home to her apartment, and then she eventually sleeps with Blonkiff. I mean, there is a movie called Nymphomaniac that kind of goes into one woman's story about that type of activity and her nymphomania. True, but... In the, it's not in the same vein as, as what we're talking about. Correct. It just seems like this has definitely always been a very male-centered thing where, like, the, the, the main characters are mostly men. In this case, obviously, it is. In Spawn's case, uh, there's no female characters in this. We get introduced to one, but she gets kind of shuttled off later on, and I'll get into the reasons why involving Neil Gaiman in the next podcast episode. But we don't have these, like, large female cast that's just bringing guys back to bang them left and right. Or the female villains are, like, banging men left and right. You know what I mean? It's always, like, male-centered storylines that do that. Is well, it because they're more that's, female that's prostitutes? The trope, that's the whole trope of it being a macho thing to do. Correct. You know, when you when you slut-shame slut someone, it's, you know, the women are just, you know, sluts for taking guys home. When in fact, guys and girls enjoy sex, and really anyone of any gender, enjoy sex just as much as anyone else, unless you're of, of the asexual spectrum. So, you know, 
I, I feel that there are a couple of portrayals, but I can't remember them at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'll have to I'll have to dig into information about that. Sure, because we're going to see that throughout this entire show. Before we get back to Friday the 13th, as we're taking a break between seasons 1 and 2 of Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th sexual content is very toned down. But Spawn being on HBO hypes it up to a Game of Thrones level of pornography at times. Yeah, yeah, that that last sex scene is pretty hot. It can be. It definitely can be. I'm sure we'll get to a show eventually that has a lot more steamier sex scenes in it, but we'll have to wait and see. That's pretty much all we have here now for the first three episodes of Spawn, the animated series. Okay. We're going to do this three episodes I, at a time. I do have the body count here total for oh, these sure. three episodes. Yes. So in the first episode, there were six. In the second episode, there was five. And the third episode, there's six. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Although, so far... Not too far off from Friday the 13th's uh, typical body counts. True, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was curious whether this show is actually going to be extremely violent, which it is, how overt the killings are and how many they were, uh, just to see if it was pumped up a little bit more. But I'll, I'll continue these body counts because I'm just merely curious. Now, did, how many issues of Spawn the comic book series did you read? I'm halfway through the first trade paperback, so I think that's six issues so far. Okay, cool. Well, you can catch us on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page, and don't forget you can also find us on our individual Twitters at ChrisDSAV and... And at ElegantlyKinky. Yes, and if you also happen to be a fan on the uh, website uh, FetLife, uh, there are... There, there is a... De- there's no Dead TV Podcast group on FetLife. But I do make posts on it, and you can find me on it um, if you find my post. I'm not going to give up the names. So you'll have to kind of join the site. But most of Mrs. Zedica and I are both on it. Um, if you yes. do happen to find if, us if, and you want to send us a friend are, request. If you're on FetLife.com, I can be found under Elegantly Kinky or under Starseer. I can't give mine out just because I can't always remember my name on FetLife. So that's not because I'm not giving it away. I just can't remember what it is. But you also get to see some very romantic, lovely pictures of Mr. Zeneca pregnant, too, by the way. Yes, on, on my Starseer profile. That's oh, my God. S-E-E-R. You look beautiful in those pictures, too, by oh, the thank way. thank you. You look absolutely beautiful. What's funny is that both my co-hosts for both my podcasts are pregnant. You and Mel Heflin are both pregnant, and Mel Heflin is doing baby shoots right now as she is a model. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, when we return in uh, a few weeks to record, which will be the 22nd of April, Mrs. Zeneca will no longer be pregnant, and we will be continuing with the Spawn animated series at season one, the last three episodes. Again, yes. every season is only six episodes apiece. You can find these episodes on DVD. I don't know if they ever got released on Blu-ray, but I do know they are on they are on Amazon Prime and on HBO Go and stuff. I saw them on HBO Go, so HBO obviously archives all their old stuff too. And HBO and has you a. Can, you can also find them on YouTube too. I believe you can find them on HBO's YouTube site. Uh, they're like ninety-nine cents an episode too. If you happen to pick up the box set, I, I recommend the Ultimate Collection because you also get a uh, chock full of. Uh, bevy of uh, great supplemental material, mostly interviews with Tom McFarlane as well as the commentaries I mentioned that he does. So thank you very much for tuning in to the Dead TV Podcast, our beginning of our Spawn coverage. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye.